0: Hi and welcome to the Rags to Riches show with myself, Terry Blackburn. So this podcast is all about inspiring you, motivating you, pushing you on to achieve more in your life, whether that's in business, property, your health and fitness, your personal life, every part of your life. This podcast hopefully will help you achieve more, do more, get to where you want to be. So just before the episode starts, I have just launched a new website called TerryBlackburnProperty.com. On there, I've got all of the services that I offer. So one-to-one coaching in business, property, time management, goal setting, sales, persuasion, loads of different things on there. I've got some online courses, some one-to-one coaching courses as well. So please have a look on there. Really appreciate your support. And if you want to get involved, you want some more specific help from me, you want some more one-to-one coaching and and a Assistance from me to help you to get to where you want to be. It's all on there. Also, got a couple of books on Amazon and Audible. The Be Lion, which has won multiple awards worldwide now. And The Power of Peas is the new one, all about the different P words profit, power, perspective, purpose, etc. I hope you'll really enjoy. One last thing from me if you enjoy these podcasts and you benefit from them, you learn from them. All I ask is that you share it with your friends and family or someone who you think the episode is relevant to. You leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That would massively help. The more shares we get, the bigger guests I can get on the podcast, the more people we can help and the more I can grow the show. So thank you so much. Get in touch if you like what you're listening to. And don't just take notes, take action. hi and welcome to the rags to riches show with myself terry blackburn now today's guest is a guy called mark shaw he's a very experienced property investor and developer um, to give you an idea he bought his first property at quite a young age i think 30-ish years in the business he's got letting agents estate agents he's done everything from buy to lets hmos conversions developments self-build new builds Loads and loads of lease options, he uses a lot of creative strategies which we're going to explore today, which I feel a lot of people will take something from. I'm personally quite interested in how he does this. To give you an idea, I would record this end of September 2021, 37 purchases year to date, so he's very active in the market um, for sure. Uh, Really looking forward to having a chat with this guy. I think it's his first ever podcast, so buzzing about that. I got him. (laughs) So uh, welcome to the show, uh, Mark.
1: Sure. Yeah, thanks, Terry. Thanks for getting in contact with me and um, pulling me out of my comfort zone. Appreciate that. Really, I do.
0: No problem. (laughs) No problem. I don't know if you're sincere about that or not. (laughs) Um, But no, thank you, Mark. I really appreciate you. Someone who i followed on Facebook. I know you haven't been on Facebook too long. Uh, but I followed you on there, seeing how active you are. I've asked around; I know a couple of people who spoke really highly of you, which is why I wanted you on the show. We've since spoken. You know, you've really impressed me with um, the things that we've spoke about. So I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that you came on, Mark. So thank you. Yeah, a pleasure uh, for doing that. Um, so yeah, as always, what we like to do on the show is talk about your career so far, the start, how you first got into property the middle, that exciting part, the growth part, you know, the big things that you've achieved in your career. And then the current is just what your attention is on right now, what you're looking at going forward. Um, We've got some other questions to go through as well. Um, So yeah, if you can just start, Mark, by telling us a little bit about how you got into property to start off with, please. Yeah, sure.
1: Um, Property specifically, I first got involved in it uh, in the third year at university. I had the opportunity, a family member was going through some financial difficulties. And um, I mean, this was a good few years ago. Um, and it was a case of me sort of realising that we were renting rooms um, in the, as student accommodation. Um, and I could see how much money was in it. So I, I kind of used to broker deals with the landlord that if I paid money up front, would get the discounts on the rooms for everybody. Um, and then I just took the opportunity to speak with my dad because I was, um 19 i think at the time or 20 um, and we went to see the bank manager and they basically let me take over the mortgage which i suppose was a kind of lease option at the time i didn't realize it Um so i just used my student loans and my student overdrafts and savings to sort of get our first property um, and my first tenant was one of my housemates when we all went to law school he went to law school in nottingham and he became my first tenant uh, and that's right. how, how my interest uh, started to build in property yeah
0: and what age was that sorry when you bought your first one? i would
1: have have been sort of 2021 it was my final year university yeah
0: fair play fair play and was there an early interest in property from sort of younger than that because you know not many people are really looking at property at that age i don't think
1: no there was an early interest in money um as long as i could i remember primary school people telling me that i was really good with money um i used to do things like Buy bikes, do them up. And then my dad used to have the opportunity to buy company cars at the end of a two year contract. So I'd sell his company cars and this was while at Comprehensive. Yeah. And when I actually left, (laughs) when I actually left Comprehensive, my head of house actually said I'd either be in jail or a millionaire. um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of had that about me. I just, I I just love the idea of money. Um, it wasn't to be rich or anything. I just, it was, it just seemed to come quite easily to me. Yeah.
0: Love that. I think that's a a lot of people have that in them. I think it can certainly be developed and evolved with time and experience. But I think a lot of people seem to have that little spark for it, don't they? At an early age, they don't know where it came from. They just always remember having it, which you, you must have had. Um <laughs> selling cars yeah, bikes get, and bikes and things.
1: To, um I used to get paid extra for writing an invoice if I did a job. And I remember in primary school actually that if if the car was still clean on a Saturday because I'd get paid for cleaning it on a Sunday, I remember actually putting dirty water in a bucket and putting it on, the <laughs> car on a Saturday night so I could get paid for cleaning it on a, a Sunday morning. That was that was the junior school, yeah,
0: yeah. Was it really? Age, yeah. Love that, love that. Um, creating a need—that's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, love that, love that. Thanks, Mark. And obviously, it's evolved massively since you know your first one at, at twenty-two. Um, 37 purchases this year alone, you know, I find is, 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 you know, it's very active as you know, there's a lot of people on social media, saying they do things. There's not many that actually do them. You're clearly doing, doing that in volume. So before we get onto the current and where you are right now, you know, how has it went from buying that first one to, you know, that middle part, I know there's been purchases of businesses, new builds and loads of quirky things, maybe it's just an explanation of that middle part and things that you've achieved.
1: Yeah, um, it was all, I kind of was was going the, the, the normal route. So, you know, I did law at university, then I went to law school with a view to being a solicitor. Um, and then what happened was when I was actually training as a solicitor, I had a free newsletter. Um, it was one of these auction houses. And I remember this very, very clearly. It had a line in it. I can't remember what the line was, but it said, if you've not heard this before, this line came out of Rich Dad Poor Dad. And I know so many people have read this book. Yeah. So I bought the book straight away Um, it was probably one of the only books I'd actually read out of choice because law school, you don't really read out of choice. Um, And I read the book and that obviously went on about property and about starting your own business. Um, And then I finished the book and I was actually on a Friday night standing in a chip shop waiting for my um, chips to, to be cooked. And it was one of those free papers on the counter and I read it and there was an advert which said, start your own letters business for 400 pounds. So by the end of the week, I'd sent off this pack and set up a company and you got a free website with it. So that's when I set the company up. I carried on working in local house. house, Oh, that's what I stopped stopped actually. So I came out of being a solicitor to get a job as um, a six month job share maternity cover housing officer. In the local <laughs> in the That's local one of patches. the longest
0: job titles ever. That. <laughs> yeah, I was the only
1: guy, um, but it was with you to thinking, how can I actually find out about property? So I was scanning the papers, never like law, it was too restrictive. Um, and then I got a job in there and um, I remember seeing people coming in and out of the office, they were working and they were called patch managers and their job was you had a patch and you were in control of repairs, contractors, tenancy matters. And I just love the idea of that. Um, so I kind of went into that role. I'd already started setting up my letters business on the side. And then when it really got to the point where I couldn't do both, I left the local authority, but it, it was getting silly. It was like um, I'd get a text saying, I remember sitting in a meeting with my manager once, I was actually getting a bit of a reprimand. And I had a text come through saying that my viewing for my letters agency had just turned up, which was across the road from the office. So I had to say, can I just go to the toilet? Went downstairs, did the viewing, then came back to carry on no. getting a reprimand. So <laughs> at that point I thought I've got to I've got to sort of give in my, and it just kind of flew from there really. So we set the lettings agency up as a home-based business. I think we got to about 150 properties. And then we we just kind of took it from there. I, I started buying a couple more properties, but it was a case of you buy, you do all, you rent out and you hold. Um, And then I had, Um, It was kind of um, a eureka moment when I realised that if I could sell this property now, it was equivalent to nine years worth of rent, so that's when I started thinking about flipping properties, which was a mistake at the time because it shot up in in price afterwards. Uh, But that's where my interest came, but at that point onwards, it was really all about letters until 2012 when I went on one of those professional property training courses. I think they're called Legacy Now um oh yeah 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 it's called rich dad poor dad Tigrant back then which is what caught my eye and i remember spending a lot of money on it but that was my first you know sort of step into wow this is what can be done with property yeah
0: um a lot a lot of people say similar things the rich dad poor dad thing jumps out you know and that was a turn point for me personally so so many other people isn't it um and you set up an agent from a chip shop, I quite like, I quite like that. that could yeah, be the headline. I'm of this. Quite impulsive that. Yeah. <laughs> I also think actually being impulsive. I also think that seems to be a commentary in, in a lot of entrepreneurs also being impulsive and not giving it too much thought. I think some people who analyze things too much and look at the risk to, you know, all of these things too much, they lack taking action. And I think that that's a common trait, obviously being too impulsive can obviously be a negative, but I think that's also a common trait. And sometimes just jumping in the deep end sometimes and learning how to swim, I think, is a is a good um, is a good thing to do. And just saying yes sometimes for the listeners, I think.
1: Yeah, you've got to make up as you go along. I remember going to my first um, landlord's valuation and my car was in such a state that you couldn't let anybody see it. So I'd have to park around the corner. I had a briefcase with literally just one camera in it, um, and then I was trying to play this experienced agent, and it was literally. I, 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 and when you buy how to be a lettings agency, it doesn't tell you how to run a lettings agency, so you do make it up as you go along. And the last thing that the landlord said to me was, this is a beautiful flat. It's got white carpets. Before you show anybody around, get them to take their shoes off. And anyway, that night I did my first viewing, and while I was actually just opening all the other doors, they'd walk straight across the window come across the grass first. So it was literally mud straight across the right. So oh. as soon as I did the viewing and we let the property, it was straight to the shops. And I, I must have spent three hours trying property. to clean the park. <laughs> but yeah, you just go for it and you make it up as you go along. Yeah, you do, don't you? You learn
0: by your mistakes and you fumble yeah. your way in. If, if you're driven enough, you, you just make things work, don't you? Um, again, I think that might be something for the listeners to take from that. If you're thinking about setting up the business, you're considering it. You've got a passion for something sometimes it's just best just to jump in and and, and learn on you know learn on your feet almost and and, and just go for it you know you don't get anything without taking risks sometimes and luck fortunes the brave um
1: yeah if i can just add to that point as well i think that they sense it, that that you're just starting out and a lot of people do try to help you and i i angel invest with other investors now and what attracts me is I, I come. I want to help them. I want to see them actually succeed. And when I look back now, some of those landlords and how they brought their properties on with me, you know, and these are portfolio landlords, they just knew that I was just making an effort and, you know, I got a feeling that they they were experienced and they just wanted to see me succeed. And I found that going, you know, moving forward, everybody wants you to do well, if you're associated with the right type of people that is. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, yeah, just, think, just thinking about what you said there,
0: I think that I think that's spot on because even when you're not new in business, but if you're speaking to people who are achieving a lot more, I've certainly found this anyway, if I, I try and mix with people who are miles ahead of me in terms of where I want to be, property-wise and business-wise, but when you speak to them, some of them do want to help you, don't they? And, and that's the same principle. if. If you've if you've just started off in business, people want to help you because you're just starting off and getting if they can see you're ambitious, you can see you've got integrity and you're a nice person, they want to help you. But likewise, if someone has a thousand properties and you have a hundred properties and you're saying to them, I want to be where you are, they will give you advice, they will help you. And I think that's the same principle. And I think, I think again, that's that's good advice, and there's a lesson there to be learned for, for the listeners. Um for sure. Mark, thank you for that. I think that that, that that's a really good point. I haven't really thought about actually, until you've said that, um, you say okay. I'm cause
1: helping you, you see, I'm helping.
0: helping me. Exactly. You're helping already. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I want you on the show. You're you a fountain bet. of knowledge. Um, so yeah, so letting agents start to become more successful buying some more property along the way. Um, before we go on to the strategy side, cause I would like to explore that cause I'm really interested in that. And I think the listeners will be, lease options and all these creative things that you do. Um, just some highlights: Is there any key properties? Is there any key deals? Key moments in that sort of middle part of your career that really stand out to you?
1: Um, yeah. Um, when when when, you, when you, I did that professional course, what what used to happen is you, uh, um, back at the time it was because um, this was 2012. You got sort of five modules, um, you know, distressed property, cor- and I, I, did the three-day lease option course, and that just, I, I, I couldn't really focus on what they were saying because my mind just went off because I'm quite creative like that. And when they were saying something, I was thinking, no, that I wouldn't do it like that. I would do it like this. Um, and I remember them saying that one of the advantages of a lease option is that you can offer more than the property's worth now because you're buying into the future. And I'm thinking, but that that doesn't make sense, you know. And what went through my head was, I could make a really really low offer now, and before they actually start to lose their temper, I'll say, "But there might be a way that I could actually offer you a higher amount." Um, and that just seemed to make a lot more sense at the time. And there's a few other things that were being said where I can see where they're coming from, but by then, you know, I'd, I'd been letting properties, I'd been taken on landlords, so you kind of get an idea of what were it's a salesmanship, certain amount of salesmanship, um, yeah. and the, the most notable lease options I always remember is that the course finished on a Sunday night, and I, I got into their office on the Monday morning. And a, a landlord walked in and he went to our office manager and said, look, I've got three properties to sell, if you can get them sold in the next two weeks, I will pay a hefty commission to the person that, that did it. and 48 hours later, we agreed our first three lease options on those properties and I, w- I was thinking, that's in the first week from the course, so you know wow. I'm going to make that feedback. And then I had an appointment to see this, this person and all I could remember with, with, um, was kind of the speech, or not the speech, the template they gave you on the course. And I remember trying to explain that to the woman that I'm babysitting your mortgage Um, I'm taking, and I made such a hash of it that she just went for the low cash offer because I'd made the lease option sound too complicated. Complicated, yeah. yeah. and I sat outside in the car and I was thinking, what just happened there? Um, and then that kind of gave me the template moving forward. And, and yeah, and there's been so many lease options. I mean, most recently, Friday, we completed on a hotel using a lease option. Um, I think in April was our biggest one where it was a, a title split with um, 11 flats. And before then, there was a block of 10 flats. And they were lease options because that's that's the first thing we always look at. Can we do a lease option on this first so it's it's kind of the go to strategy at the moment, but it always has been since that two thousand and twelve course really
0: that all the sort of sparks from then yeah. that's that that's really interesting because I certainly don't know anybody else who looks at it like that that'll be their first strategy of trying to purchase something would be a lease option um you know majority of peoples a standard battle let mortgage whatever you know using banks finances people who use angel finance plenty of those online there's some other people that don't you know the rent to rent and all these quirky things but this is the, to, to to you know for that to be your first strategy is, is really interesting to me um so let's explore that a little bit more so for people that list you know some people might not even know what a lease option is so how would you, What what is your sort of simplified way of explaining what a lease option is? Mark, how would you explain that?
1: Okay, I won't go through the technical definition, but basically you're just going to take over a property. You agree a purchase price now, um, you agree um, a date by when you need to buy it, so it could be normally three or five years. And then in the from the date of exchange, you're responsible for the property, everything. And in return, you get the, the rent. So the main benefit for an investor is that um, you don't need to take a mortgage out because you're taking over the mortgage payments for somebody else. And because you're not exchanging with a delayed completion, it's a lease option you don't pay stamp duty, and you've not got the survey costs or, or the admin costs. So it's really one of the cheapest ways to get into the property. Now, people think that um, one of the main advantages is that you don't have to put money in. that depends on your strategy if your strategy is yeah i don't want to put much much in you can get a lease option for a pound plus legal fees and we've done plenty of them but um for somebody like me now where my strategy is more to do with building up um, a profitable portfolio and cash flow is not too much of a concern i'll use um lease options to get me larger discounts or more favorable terms so perhaps i'll pay them um, you know, 20,000 pounds on exchange if they give me an extra 30,000 pounds off the purchase price, because to me, the 10,000 pounds, more important. If, um, um, a lot of landlords at the moment are disposing of portfolios. And the main incentive for them is to stagger them over financial years. So when we did the title split, we got him an extra ninety-eight thousand pounds worth of tax allowances he could use. Whereas he couldn't have done that if he'd sold it, we could have took it up to 170,000, but for, for his own reasons, he didn't want to go that long. So from my point of view, I'm quite happy to complete on a property for cash or with a mortgage each year, because I've got a massive discount by doing the lease option. So it just really allows you to control the property for whatever reason that you want to. But if you're using lease options properly, you're offering a vendor something that they can't get anywhere else. They can't get it through an estate agent, or they can get it to the cash and they don't always want the cash. Um, when I'm dealing with divorce couples, one of the the issues is that they can't afford to move out of the property because uh, normally it's the lady, she's you know, stay-at-home mom, so she can't get a guarantor and she can't get the rent. So we'll pay, it's called option consideration. We'll give her a deposit on exchange, which will pay for six months' rent up front. So we've identified what's stopping there from moving, but now we've just kind of covered that. So it, it's the creativity and the flexibility that it allows you to have when investing in properties. Bit of a long-winded answer there.
0: No, no, no that's good. I mean, absolutely. I've, I've, do you have to exchange
1: no. up or, no.
0: or um, I did not? I didn't think you exchanged up front. I thought it was just an option to purchase in the future.
1: It is an but option it, to purchase. Uh, and a top tip that I would give to anybody is, never speak about lease options, because if you get on Google, there's, you know, a lot of information that will put people off. So we always explain them as an exchange with the delayed completion, because agents understand that vendors can understand that. And once we've agreed the deal, we'll say that we're actually doing an option. It's not an exchange with a delayed completion, but it's just terminology. But yeah, if you exchange with a date delay completion, you do have to buy it. If it's a lease option, you don't have to buy it. That's the big difference. So we've ah, so, so. on everything. Yeah.
0: Ah, see. Okay, so so your exchange and everything pretty much, and then with a the delayed completion. Okay. Yeah,
1: but my my own strategy would be if I've got on a five year lease option, is that, um, you know, I'll probably rent it out for four years, and then we'll put it on with an estate agent and sell it before I actually have to complete on it. So I've never owned okay. it.
0: I see, that's interesting. Again, this is this is again, it's very creative strategies. It's do so you're giving them the price that they want in the future. You're controlling the property. You're then giving them, in some cases, giving them rent during that period um, or a lump up front or both or whatever it may be. And then you don't even, because te- I was then, my next question was going to be, so when that option is is coming to an end, what are banks like in terms of financing it? Um, Are they going to be okay with that? I imagine some will be, but I didn't know if no, a lot if would shy you away. Was,
1: if you think about it, um, you know, as a general rule, the property has actually gone up in value over five years, for instance, but the, the, the amount that they're lending you is based on the purchase price at the beginning of the five years. So you've never got any real issue. Um, so, you know, you would just buy it at the lower prices. Now what I prefer to do if it's gone up a lot in value is um, I'll raise private funds or use m- my own money, complete on cash, and then literally the day after put an application in for refinance at the current market value. So, it that depends on what your strategy is and on what you want to do with that property. Because in five years, you might have grown out of that particular type of property.
0: Love that. And would you say that this has enabled you to scale a lot quicker?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, say we're on number, I think it's 37 now this year. Um, and the thing about lease options is you can be completing on them within four weeks. There's no mortgage process, so it's the speed. That hotel that we completed on, on um, Friday, last Friday, we've now done a rent to SA on it with the company that's taking offers on Monday. So we'll have only had control of that property literally for seven days. And then they're going to look after it. So doing something like that, where we've only had to put a small amount, we'll have all our money out in six weeks. We won't have any kind of dealings with that property for the next three years. So I've not even got to think about it, never mind, you know. It taking my time up and when you're doing those kind of deals that's where you can be doing so many because
0: the, the yeah need. definitely i think there's definitely a lesson in there um first of all educate yourself speak to someone like mark speak to an expert in in lease options but you know if you want there's a lot of like, ambitious people out there i'm sure that want x amount of properties as quick as possible this might be a strategy that enables you to scale quickly to get to where you want to be financially from a cash flow point from a portfolio size or value point might just get you there a little bit quicker Um But,
1: but I love that, I- on that point. Yeah, um, of course, when I have worked with people that people automatically think that they need to just buy lots of houses and one of the first things we do is we say you know, how much do you need? We call it an enough figure. So if there's a lady that doesn't want to come back after she's had, had a baby, what, what's that salary that you've got to replace? Um, and when we are sort of talking about a figure, people kind of work out, I'll need six or seven houses to do that. But that hotel, for instance, is one deal, and that's more than covered that figure. So when you're looking at investment, Yeah, you've got your plan, but it's all about money at the end of the day and doing a deal on whatever you can in any way that you can, rather than thinking I've just got to have a set amount of houses.
0: Yeah, I I think again, I think that's a really valid point. I think I mean, I'm sure you've had this. How many times do you get asked by someone who's not that experienced in property? So how many properties you got? That's normally the first question to ask, isn't it? And all the time you just are a handful. You know, stop telling people because, you know, that's all they want to know. When in reality, you could have 30 houses producing less than five really, really good ones, you know, or high cash flow ones. It's not about the number, but everyone focuses on that. A lot of people, again, I speak to, they'll say 10 houses is my goal. We say, well, why 10?
1: What I'm finding now is that people, you need to be placing more value on your time Um, and the more properties you've got. Even if you're using a managing agent, it's, it's all taking up time. So, you know, something that I've, I've started doing this year, um, and I set it as a goal, is to do more co- uh, collaborations and joint ventures in areas that I'm not interested in. So it was namely um, HMOs and new builds. And the sole reason was, if I had to put my own time in learning that strategy, I, I wouldn't do it. I, my time's too precious now. So what we're kind of working towards is, how can i acquire this property like the hotel how can i acquire this property and then pass it to somebody else where they can take over everything, Not manage not managing agents somebody that's actually got an interest in it in the profits um, and then i can just put that to a side and i've got the money coming in it's took none of my time up. so it's not about buying properties anymore it's about controlling them the bigger ones where um like a hotel or the 11th flats in one building, they're long term assets. So at some point, you'll buy them or refinance them, but it's not relevant at the moment, you know, just get them off your hands, have the money coming in, and then move on to the next deal.
0: Again, I love that. Um, Just a a question that spiralled from that, you mentioned goals, I know you do a lot on, well, you talk about it on Facebook, that you're big into your goals, you write a lot of stuff down. Do like the fact that you openly talk about your personal goals, as well as your career and business goals. Um, Is that something you've always done out of interest? Have you always written your goals down or?
1: Yeah, I know in 2008, I bought one of these American programmes, which are PDFs and and CDs back then. Um, That was the first time I actually spent money on it. But yeah, I think um, Brian Tracy, I listened to him quite young and he got me into goals and yeah, um, goals is a, a massive part of it. Now, what what's took over from goals now is the planning and the scheduling of my time to actually deliver the goals. Because um, I've tested things. Uh, my partner told me that I used to set too many goals, that's why they didn't get done. So now it's uh, the emphasis on planning and structuring your diary to fit that time in. But yeah, definitely very, very goals orientated.
0: Yeah, I love that. You mentioned Brian Tracy. I mean, Brian Tracy yeah. is legend. He, he was one of the first, that was like, Seven eight years ago, when not everybody was into coaching and self development and all that it wasn't cool, was it? It yeah. seems to be the thing to do now. Everyone needs the secret and all this carry on. But Brian Tracy was like one of the first people I watched on YouTube. I'd love to know how old he is now, by the
1: way. See, that's the was, thing is, I'm not even modern, I'm not even sort of modern enough to look at him on YouTube. I still got the audio cassettes and the CDs, and I've just ordered oh, yeah. it now. Yeah, yeah. But, um, him and Jim Rohn. Or Jim, Jim Rowan Rowan or yeah, I think they're the two greats. But everything yeah, sort of be revolved
0: around their teachings, and, and yeah. Tony Robbins, of course. Yeah, a lot of it's just they're just reciting their their content and just yeah. put a different spin on it. A lot of the time, aren't they? Um, but no, I love that again. I think for the listeners, viewers, um goals has been a big part of my life personally for a long time. Again, from Brian Tracy and writing stuff down, having affirmation cards, having it on your walls, your mirrors, wherever. I just truly believe the more, the more you start to write down, the more you get into this type of stuff, the more you will achieve. If it's not written down, it's not put anywhere. It's just a wish, isn't it? It's just a thought.
1: Yeah. Just, just just the action of actually, I think Brian Tracy speaks about it. There's a psychological connection when you write something down as opposed to type it. Um, And then if, you know, if you really get into it, the next, you've got your visualization, but when you can actually start putting emotion towards it and then I experienced this just before we went on holiday this year. I've been going through a body transformation program. Um, and I went into the changing rooms and tried a little holiday clothes on. And I swear this is the truth. It's the first time stuff are fit as long as I can actually remember. Because oh. yeah, and suddenly that body transformation now was connected to that feeling of how I can try stuff on and it looks good, it's not tight or I'm not putting things back. And then that just gives you the next spur onto oh, like definitely. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's, it's the game changer that is once once
0: you've attached that emotion yeah yeah that, that again that's a really good point you know if you say oh i want to make 200 grand a year you know that that you're one step ahead of most people because you've got a goal if you write that down but you attach the emotion so what would i do with that two hundred thousand pounds where would i go on holiday what would i do with my children and my partner you know what would you actually do with it then when the emotion gets behind the goal i believe you're more likely to to, you know, on those cold Tuesday mornings when you can't be bothered to get out of bed and stuff, you yeah, know, yeah. The, the goal will get you out of bed, won't it? Um, yeah. So again, I think that's great advice again. Again, we're bouncing around a bit, but I'm just running with the conversation. Uh, on, I'm, I'm on, really on, enjoying on, it. See, it's my uh,
1: first, first podcast. So I'm loving it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, great too. I, 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 honestly, yeah. I
0: find you really, really interesting. I, the, the creative approach and property fascinates me. It's, it's definitely something I'd, I'd like to so let's learn about more the stories uh, i
1: could tell you tell the stories i could tell you <laughs> <laughs> well
0: might do a part 2 that um, just purely mock stories um but just just on goals what what are your current goals if you'd like to, will any that you'd like to share or um yeah i
1: don't mind um i i've ten go- t- 10 goals every year 10 big goals um so um they always kind of fall within my values so you've always got health there um I've got a body transformation goal where I want to get down to single digit um, body weight. Yeah. Which means I've got to get down to 12 stone, but I only need to do it for one day and then I can eat again. Yeah. That's (laughs) that's how my mind works. So this is the health, but it's more sort of sustainable health now. Um, then the second goal is we've done this self build. So it's, it's finishing it all off, you know, the building work and making it feel more like a home. And then the third goal um, is related to that. We've got, quite a lot of land around us. We've got like a, a lake and uh, I think about eight, eight acres and more, it's things like now become self-sustainable. So I don't know anything about it, but we've started a bee farm off. We're planting an orchard. Um, we're getting goats, you know, we don't know anything about <laughs> it. You learn as you learn it do it, we had sheep the other day, you know, um, yes, we're planting dear. a wheat field. So that's a big goal now, getting all the, the grounds finished because it's like a home value. Um, Strangely enough, I've got no business goals anymore. Um, business wow. has always been one of my values, but that's really kind of just dropped off the list now. Um, property investment, I haven't got any goals, I just do it. So I just do it because I just enjoy it. Um, and then we started it as kind of like a mastermind off with people and my goals are more sort of like aimed at theirs now, I need to get them doing their deals so I can feel that I have to take my goal off. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and other than that, it's sort of family and friends where but what has actually changed over the years, there's no financial figures attached to them anymore. There's no sort of it's got to be done by that date, because they're, they're like, progressing goals and, and part of like my vision, which they're all based on It's it's like a direction that we're moving. So we just, we are just moving in the right direction. And we're not in a rush, because you know, you've got to wait for your tree to grow, you know, we can plan, we, we can plan it all, but I've got to actually, you know, in one season, I've got to plant that tree first rather than try and rush it. So I'm kind of working with nature at the minute. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it, this is so unlike me, you know, it, it yeah. years ago, this wouldn't have happened. I think lockdown has given me time to sort of step back and really think about life. But strangely enough, when we went into lockdown and kind of closed the businesses down and worked from home, that's when my portfolio business just rocketed, because for the first time, my mind was free to actually hear things, especially in the property deals that I hadn't wouldn't have picked up on before um and i will say of those 39 property deals 37 property deals we've got more going through actually of those 37 deals not a single one i've looked for they've all been bought to me by other people Uh, and that's part of this this sort of lifestyle i'm after i don't want to work market i don't do marketing and i don't go looking for things but people have that they know i can do it now so this morning someone's just bought me a brilliant deal that we kind of mentioned and he's bought it to me because he, he will know that I'll complete it in four weeks if I say that I'm going to do it. So as an agent, it's just made his life a lot easier, you know? And so all those deals have been bought to me by other people.
0: Love that. There's a few things I'd like to talk about there. I think it's
1: the, bee- the-, the bees and the goats.
0: <laughs> no, 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 I'm not too fussed about them. I might change like yourself. I might, I might like goats when I all that. <laughs> to be fair, me, my mum lives on um, a little bit of a farm up in Northumberland, um, but yeah, it's, it's currently at my age of thirty-two, and the way I think, it's not for me. Um, mm. But you never know; it probably wasn't for you at thirty-two. But um, just going back on the COVID thing, I think, I think probably people can relate to that. Certainly, that time that everyone had in lockdown—you know—a lot of people did change. A lot of people changed the way they think, and um, the way they act, what they want from life. Certainly, th- I've noticed a difference in in like when I'm trying to recruit. People from our business, a lot of people just I think they think different now. We've had some staff leave, we've had, we've struggled to recruit, but I know that's a nationwide thing, struggling to recruit. And I personally feel that's down to a part of it is down to people think different now. Some people might not want to work in an office, they might have reevaluated what they want in their life, they might be following a passion. Um, I think there's a bit of a sense of entitlement because of furlough as well, but that's a different story. People mm. think that the word more than they are and all these things. But I think it's a really good point that you you, you brought up around COVID. It made you think differently about what you wanted and, and I'm sure people can relate to that too. And yeah,
1: I mean, I've, I've always wanted to be, from reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, I always knew, cash flow quadrant, I think it was, I always wanted to end up in that um, investor quadrant. And it's yeah. interesting the conversation because I've got three daughters and um, I do the school ones. And the examples that are actually coming out now, it will be, you know, and I know there's a lot of people having problems with shortages and stuff, but this morning we drove past everybody queuing up for petrol and 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 I said to him, I said, you know why I'm not queuing up? This is going to school. She goes, Why? Well, I said, because I'm not, I don't need to go anywhere. I go to the gym, I go to school, and I take you to horse riding. When I'm out of petrol, first thing that's gonna happen is you're not gonna go to school then you're not going to go horse riding very last thing is i'm not going to go to the gym i said but because i'm an investor i can work from home and you're coming out with things like that you know it's why um whenever you hear some bad news on, on the news now you say it doesn't really impact us too much you know why and she'll say because you're an investor and that's starting to hit home with the children now
0: yeah. that's that i love that i mean my children are eight and four and um, I really want to get them to read that book. I really want to start to win. So they're too young at this. Maybe maybe's Ellie, you know, being eight, maybe it's time to maybe start to introduce that. But I think that's such an important job as a parent to try and give. They don't have to do properly like us to the, you know, they don't have to do business like us, whatever they do, as long as they're happy and healthy and enjoying it, that's all that matters. But to give your children that knowledge and that start in life, I think is a is an amazing thing to do as a parent. I certainly want to do that too. And um, how old, how old are yeah. your kids? Um,
1: oh God, that... Nine, 10, 10, 15, 20 yeah, there's five years between them all. Oh, but that's strangely a... enough, a couple of years ago, I was saying that you always want to be your own boss, have you have a business but not, not anymore now, because I know that how, how much pressure it can put on things people. have changed. Yeah. So yeah, become an investor and then just do what you want to actually do. A nine year old actually, or 10 year old, she's, she's just hit 12,000 followers on TikTok. I didn't even know if she did TikTok. and i'm thinking how can we get a referral link on that TikTok
0: account yeah yeah, definitely that's i haven't even branched out into the TikTok stuff yet i think that's i think i'm a little bit old for that but yeah yeah you never know you never know do you um nobody thought snapchat was going to be big at the start and then it, it just took off so it's probably going to be the same isn't it um thanks for that book anyway i know it digressed a little bit a little bit there um just going back to one other thing that you said on that that last part um you said that all 37 of those deals were brought to you and um, you didn't go looking for them is that brought to you as in direct from vendor is that people selling or is that agents coming to you because they know that you're credible and you'll you'll buy
1: no n- non-direct to vendor i don't do any kind of marketing at all um you know, like that. bear in mind I, i've been in this business a long time and if you see somebody right or you deliver on a promise um, and you keep in contact with them especially valuers and um, the and they have it's a lot easier And you know we I've, I've done a state agency i know how it works if somebody makes your life really really easy i want to work with them again and and a top tip actually is um, when we were Lettings agency and an investor used to come through the door one of the first questions we used to say would will you be managing this property yourself uh, and some would say yes or some would say no i've got another agent so why would we want to do business with them people miss it you know so you always have to be thinking of the other person so all the estate agents that i deal with basically all the letting agents basically know that first of all um i'll make their life easier because they bring me the property i'm not i'm going to make them look good i'm not going to go back on my word and most importantly i never renegotiate once a price has been agreed if we're doing lease options they know that i can sort of exchange really really quickly um, but most importantly, they're not having to go out and do viewings. They're not having to deal with all the progression, and they get paid much quicker because they get paid on exchange. And then I always, you know, give them a bit of a gift as well. And and over time, that's just built up. So some agents now, if you've got a particular property, if you're trying, to, if you put um, a new build plot on the market, you're going to get loads of interest from, from people that think they can develop it. But it's going to be months down the line and something's going to happen and it's not going to, so why as an agent put yourself through all that when you can just bring it to somebody straight away. So they will actually sell me to their clients, rather than me even speaking to them, I never, I never negotiate direct with vendors, I always negotiate through other people. And then the next category are sourcing agents that really only know how to focus on below market value, they don't understand lease options. so. They'll bring me a deal, which isn't a deal, but by the time I've looked into it, um, I can make it a deal. So then I'll get another, you know, I get more properties coming from them and then builders, any kind of referrals. But it's just being built over time, really. Yeah. Mm. But always yep. think how can you actually make their job easier? Um, one was quite interesting because I, I did a lease option on 10 flats that all had environmental service notices on them. Um, and the first thing I did was go to the environmental service office said, what do you need me to do now to get all this work off your desk? So I was like a, a breath of fresh air. Any landlord that's in trouble now that can't afford to do repairs, they'll contact me about and say, you might be able to help this person. So it, I, it's, I'm just making their job a lot easier. So why wouldn't they want to work with me? Because they, yeah. they don't even have to get involved in the case. They're thinking, you know, I can rely on Mark, Mark will sort this out so I can close the case, or at least put it on the one side of my desk and I'll always be thinking about the other person, whether it's the vendor or the, the other agent that you're dealing with.
0: It's, it's just such a fresh, a, a refreshing approach. I think it's just so different, certainly from what the, the people that I know and have spoke to anyway, I think it's fascinating. Um, you ever got one that went really wrong out of interest? So you've exchanged on something that, that you're yeah regret doing or that didn't go to plan um, it was
1: no um i i there was one where um i didn't actually i should have completed by a certain date and i missed the deadline so really she could have took a property back but because as part of the option consideration i gave her children an xbox because they were moving house she said you know don't worry about it they could have even had the house back and got you know made a lot of money on it but she said no we'll, we'll just let it go on so that could have gone wrong and then the next question i get is have I ever lost money on a property and I haven't because I've never been forced to sell because I have this long-term perspective, which I think is important for everybody. True. When people are investing nowadays, especially sort of like the younger generation, if you like, or people that have been on the courses, they're look, looking at it short term. So the margins too thin. They've got to flip it or refurbish it, but the figures are too, too kind of close together. You haven't got the margins. But if you're thinking, I'm going to have this property for five or six years with the extra cash flow or the pressures off. So as long as you don't have
0: to sell, you'll never lose money. Good point. Good point. Um, Yeah, love that. Love that. Um, Got more questions. So um, uh, which ones? So um, yeah, I think we'll go for around the lease options. So what what advice would you give to someone wanting to do lease options? Is there any sort of top tip? I think you mentioned the top tip earlier, but sort of maybe your three top tips or a few tips For lease options,
1: yeah, don't don't think that you're going to find lease options by advertising for for people that are in financial trouble. Um, The vast majority of lease options I've done, they're not in financial trouble. They they don't even really need to sell. It's just I've offered them something that they've not thought about. Um, So you know, there was a lady, for instance, that the reason that she was selling because she needed money to refurbish her own house, put a new kitchen in. So we agreed a lease option, and I gave her. £5,000 option consideration because that's all she needed for the kitchen, whereas she, nobody would have put that to her. So that was a lease option that was done, you see. So the first point is don't think that it's going to be people that in financial difficulties that are going to do lease options with you. The that the block of 11 flats, they were cash flowing over £5,000 a month and they still did a lease option with me, so it's not about the money. The second point is always look at it from the vendor's perspective. You know, don't think what's in it for you, think, how can I deliver a result for the landlord or, or the vendor? And you're not going to know what result that is until you've actually got a certain amount of information from them. Um, and the third point I would say is that the landlord doesn't always, the landlord or the vendor doesn't always realise what's best for them because they've never been given alternatives. So they might think their only option is to sell, but like the one where we got all the tax deductions from, you know, they did the option because we saved them all that tax. Um, we got the hotel because we took the responsibility away from it and carried on paying them a big chunk every month, which came off the purchase price. So it's always thinking about how can you offer them something that they can't get anywhere else?
0: And it the benefits them. I think that's, again, it's great advice. It's, it's got to work for them, hasn't it? Um, as well, but look, love love those points. Um, I'm going to probably watch this back. because I'm, I'm going to put it out there. I'll have a lease option done by first of January, 2022. Three months. I'll do what. Two months. I'll do one. Um,
1: what we've actually started doing now, and, and again, it's only, we've only started doing it these last few months, is um, for those people that understand lease options. Normally, what you do is um, you give them some money on exchange called option consideration. It can be like five or ten thousand pounds. What we've actually started doing now is offering a little bit of a higher around sort of 15 to 20,000 pounds, but then the vendor is actually loaning it straight back to us for well, a percentage return, a fixed rate return, because now they see their property as an investment, but we haven't technically paid the option consideration because he's paid it right back to us. So it's really like a no money in deal, but another advantage that that vendor hadn't thought about is he's now getting a nice fixed rate of return or money that would have just sat in the bank. So, again, once they understand that they can actually treat their property as an investment and pass it over to us, it's just another tick in their box that they hadn't thought
0: about. Do, do you get a lot of people who don't understand this when you maybe it's not when you explain it to them, because I'm sure you can explain it in a good way, but do, from your experience with working with people and teaching them how to do lease options, do they find when they go and present it to a vendor or to a landlord that they don't understand it? Is that yeah, quite we- a
1: common thing? Yeah, we don't allow it. The first thing I say to them is never, never try to explain a lease option. Your objective at the property is to get their email address because everything's done by email. OK, that takes pressure off everybody, because if you try to talk about a lease option with somebody at a property, even doesn't matter how you phrase it, their eyes will glaze over and you've lost them and you know they just really want you to go. So it's just a case of saying there might be a way that i can actually offer you very close to the asking price i want to get an email off sent to you this evening can i have your email address and they'll give you the and then it's all done by email and what i show people is that there's a specific email template that we use in, in the templates in specific order aimed at getting the information and then when we put the offer forward this four offers their um cash purchase um and two lease options, and then the vendor comes back. And if they're interested in any, any of them, what they'll say is, Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Or I'm interested in that one, but the figures don't make sense. And that's it. We do it all by email so that nobody gets confused and people can actually read over them in their own time. And that's why we've got a really high success rate. We simplify it.
0: Love that. Love that. Again, it's having a structured approach and not just yeah. trying to wing it and blag it like some people, you know, it's it's a structured approach I'm getting from you. Which I love. Um,
1: the, the beauty about the email as well is that if you try and get an agent to explain an estate agent or a letting agent to explain the lease option to the client, it's it's going to go south. Yeah, so exactly. what we do is we use the email so that they can actually literally just remove our, our name and address and forward it on. So there's no miscommunication of what's yeah. actually being. Yeah. So there's so many. This has been you know this has been trial over. We're talking over 20 years. We've got yeah. that yeah you know we've we've well since 2012 we've worked on this so you know what works and what doesn't work and yeah that's why you know what kind of figures to offer them as well it's just lots of little things that just make the difference
0: that's love that love that um what I, what i know you do a lot of lease options in this exchange with delayed completion now you need you know you do a lot of that but would you even consider any other strategies is it i know we had a brief chat before the before we went live um and you talked about this would be your first point of call then this then this then this could you maybe just explain that a little bit because i found that really interesting also i know you you well yeah you explain it. i think you can do it yeah
1: again because more from when i used to work in the business you know investors would say what area would you invest in um, and you know, most people know that one street could be 200 yards from another street and you would invest in one and you wouldn't invest in the other. So what I always say, it's all about the property and the deal that you can get on the property. You just, and courses will tell you this, you know, it's a toolbox. You just need a tool to put to that situation. I hate things like that, but it, it does make sense. So, um, you work out what your, your plan is and then you've got so many tools that you can use. And you, you're going to try them all because you're going to get something from the vendor or the agent where you know that they're going to go for that. So if I'm looking at any kind of property, first thing I'm going to look at is can I do a lease option on it? If I can't do a lease option on it, can I do an assisted sale? If I can't do an assisted sale, can I do a joint venture with the vendor? If I can't do a joint venture with the vendor, can I do one with somebody else? So if it's a, a flip, for instance, I might do a joint venture with the contractor so that I don't have to get involved in it. And um, do I need to use my own money or can I raise private finance? Um, what am I going to do with this? Am I going to ca- do it you know buy cash, refinance it a later date or even do a reverse option which is quite interesting. This is where I've got a mortgage on the property, but I do a lease option with another investor so that they pay me an option consideration as a big chunk so I get my money back out and then they have my property as a lease option. And you just go through those and find out you know, which ones actually work. But that's the kind of structured approach that we get. But there's certain kind of giveaways. When it's a title split, you know how to approach those. Um, when we're doing big new developments at the moment, we often do joint ventures where the landowner puts the, the, the value of their land in as their, their share of the joint venture. And then I have a developer, and then I have me that raises finance. So we've not had to buy the land. We've just bought them into the deal. So, yeah, I mean, I can't think, um, there must be, but I can't think of any any deal or strategy that's not been done. I don't like HMOs, so what I've done is um, I set up a business with somebody that does like HMOs, so I tend to find and negotiate the deals and finance them if necessary, but they do everything else. And we've done exactly the same with somebody else on new builds, because I don't know understand new builds, but the guy I'm in business with, you know, he's built over 120 houses, so I find the money, find the deal. Uh, which we complete on Monday actually, so that'll be um, another one. Um, and he's already starting work on Monday. He's clearing the site, and the concrete's already booked for Thursday. So I wouldn't know how to do any of that, and I don't really have to leave my. I, I was going to take some photographs of Facebook, and then I was thinking I don't need to. I can get him to take the photos, send them to me. <laughs> so um, yeah, I really don't like to leave the house to be honest.
0: play, <laughs> yeah. but honestly, I, I find you just so sort of interesting. Um... But I know you're, you're a really busy man. You Before we went live, you were really excited because you've got another potential yeah. hotel JV lease option, whatever it is, that you want to go negotiate and secure. So um, just to wrap up, so um, question to ask everybody, Mark, is what does being rich mean to you? Because you know you can be rich in time and assets, monetary terms, friendships, whatever, but it means something different to everybody. So what does being rich mean to you?
1: it's, it's definitely not money. Um, but you know you need money to be happy. I do believe that, but it's more to do with the fact that it's removed a lot of stress out of your life, rather than that you want to go buying lots of things. Um, so I, I would say choice for me specifically. It's time now. You know, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing, but it's not taking any of my time up if I don't want it to. do. I do this school, one of the school run and things like that. So. For me, being rich is definitely the time element that is, is freed up so much. I mean, times my currency at the moment is something I often quote. So if something's going to take too much time, even if it would make loads of money, it's, you know, we don't do stuff like that anymore. We, well, that's why we did the joint venture so they, they can put all the time in, <laughs> because they're at that stage where they need the money yeah. more than the time, you see. So you just work to other people's strengths, really.
0: But yeah, time. Time is them love that. Love that you can get money back if you spend it, but you can't, you can never get that time back, can you? That's exactly it, yeah. never ever get it back. Love that. Um, absolutely loved it, Mark. Thank you so much for doing it. Um, if people want to reach out to you or if they want to follow what you're doing, I know you're not on many social media channels. Um, but if they do want to reach out to you, find out a bit a little bit more, what would be the best way, Mark? Is it,
1: yeah, it would, um, it would just be Facebook, my personal, um, Profile, whatever you call it, Mark Shaw. I have got um I'm starting it back up in October. It's um, a landlord investor face closed Facebook group. I've kind okay. of stepped away from that for, but that that's going to be picked up again from October. But yeah, just my personal Facebook page. I don't do all the social media.
0: Okay, cool. Well, Mark, thank you so, so much. It's been educational, it's been thought provoking. Um and you've got lease options on my uh, radar. So thank you for that. Um, and thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it and have a fantastic rest of your day.
1: Yeah, brilliant. Thanks, Terry. I, I have really enjoyed it, actually, yeah.
0: Good, well, we'll do a part two with all your stories. No, Thanks, okay. Mark. Cheers, <laughs>